All right, here we go now with energy production in British Columbia. Bottom line, we need more of it. Last year, BC Hydro had to import 20% of our electricity. That was the highest level ever for power imports into British Columbia. Most of that power purchased from the United States. So we need to generate more electricity right here in British Columbia. Don't forget, we've got the mandatory deadline coming up 2035 to go to 100% electric vehicle sales. We've got the government encouraging people to install electric heat pumps to heat their homes instead of natural gas. The government says, look, we need more clean energy, including wind power and solar power. Would that get it done, though? Can we close this gap here? with wind and solar. Got Mike Andre standing by to discuss. Have a listen to the Premier here first. Here is David Eby. The need for clean energy, including wind and solar power in our province, has accelerated. BC Hydro's filing indicates we require about 3,000 gigawatt hours per year of renewable energy, starting as early as 2028. Okay, so we need clean energy. We need a lot of it. Can wind and solar make up the gap here in BC? Let's discuss with my guest, Mike Andre. Mike is the CEO of Morgan Solar, and I'm very pleased to welcome him. Hey, Mike, thanks for coming on today. Yeah, happy to be here. Can you tell me a little bit about Morgan Solar there? Tell me about your work there. Yeah, we uh, incorporate solar into buildings and uh, also improve the efficiency of existing solar fields. So a lot of things you're you're talking about, I think some of the solutions are uh, putting solar into places where people couldn't imagine it being and getting the most out of them. So I definitely think it's possible to do what your premier is saying. Yeah, okay, so you think solar energy is, is uh, the, one of the tickets going forward here. Do you think the public sort of underestimates or shortchanges solar power as an alternative? Well, absolutely. The uh, I think the public's opinion around uh, renewables in Canada is behind the rest of the world. So I'm reminded of the Mahatma Gandhi quote where they talk about, you know, Western civilization. He says it would be a good idea. Well, Canadian renewables would be a good idea. We just don't do it. To give you an example, across Canada, we probably have uh, four gigawatts of solar installed. The world installed 400 uh, plus gigawatts last year alone. A place like Netherlands that has less sun than even BC has three times the amount of solar uh, energy, as an example, than uh, Canada has as a whole. So we haven't even tried yet. Uh, before we rule it out, I think we better try it. Where does solar rank just in terms of energy cost? Is this an expensive source of power? Yeah, that's the thing that I think people haven't caught up with. It is by far the cheapest form of electricity generation in the world. I think mm. if you look at the IEA studies or anything like that, pretty well we're 90% of the world. It is going to be the cheapest form of electricity generation. And then the next after that usually is wind. And uh, so by far, it's it's won that battle already. Where the, the challenges are is, is the variability of it. And that's where BC is blessed, frankly, because you have all sorts of hydroelectricity, which is the natural battery for the variability of solar and wind. Yeah, like the way, as I understand it, Mike, you tell me if I got it right here. Like if you, if we were to expand wind and solar in British Columbia, that could be like a backup power source for the big hydro dams we have here. So when the sun is shining, when the wind is blowing, you can use that 
power while you save the water in the reservoir for hydro for when the sun is not shining, correct? Yep, absolutely. And and their batteries are very, very uh, cost-effective, up to probably about four hours right now. So for short-term duration to get rid of uh, natural gas peaking and things like that, batteries will work, but hydroelectric dams are the perfect longer-term storage to, to deal with the volatility. There's another misnomer, though, or, or, or I, I, that it's the wind is often blowing when the sun isn't shining, and the sun is shining often when the wind isn't blowing. So there's a counter-cyclicality of, of, of both of those. It's, you know, people think, well, one or the other, but it's really both backed up short-term with batteries, longer-term with hydroelectric. Okay, speaking of Mike Andrade, Morgan Solar, is solar and wind power the ticket going forward here to British Columbia to solve our energy shortage? Now, there is there is some skepticism about this. There, there are calls in British Columbia to, okay, that's fine, we can, we can develop wind and solar, but we need more fossil fuels too. There's a, a controversial pipeline project here, Mike, that's been proposed in the Okanagan part of British Columbia that has been rejected. Uh, by the BC Utilities Commission because we want to electrify instead. There's a big fight over that. And then you've got the, and you touched on this briefly here, the limits of wind and solar power. Let's have a listen to Barry Penner. He is the chair of the Energy Futures Initiative. He was my guest here on the show earlier in the week. We talked about wind power. We talked about solar power and whether that can fill the gap here. And listen to what he says here. He points out what happened recently just next door in Alberta. Let's have a listen, then I'll get your thoughts. You just don't know when that electricity is going to happen. You don't know when it will be windy, and you don't know just how sunny it will be. On average, you can predict. But uh, as we saw in Alberta, when they hit their crunch period, uh, it was dark. It was nighttime, so solar wasn't contributing. And the wind yeah. stopped. And so those wind turbines, although the, on the face face of it, they have 4,000 megawatts of installed wind power capacity in Alberta, but it was producing just about zero megawatts of electricity at the peak moment. Okay, so in Alberta, Mike, we recently saw ener energy grid alerts. People in Alberta were encouraged to reduce their power consumption to avoid rolling blackouts, which they managed to avoid. But as you heard Barry Penner say there, he thinks that the wind, wind and solar, and they got they got a lot of wind power there in Alberta. Didn't really, didn't really do the job there. What do you think of that argument? I mean, the the people talk about variability of wind and solar, but frankly, solar, of course, is predictable as the sun. You know when it's coming up and when it's not. And with weather forecasting, you also know the same with when the wind is coming up and all that. So it's not as if these things surprise us immediately. And that's why, to me, I think the West the solution is that instead of building a pipeline over the mountain build some more transmission towers and then you can have wind and solar on the plains basically saskatchewan alberta backed up by the hydroelectricity in bc and when the wind isn't blowing somewhere you can use the hydroelectricity when the wind is blowing in alberta you could use that electricity in in bc i i see few better places right now than that combination probably in the world to get to a renewable um yeah probably a renewable system what are these? Uh, what are the solar big solar installations like? You you mentioned your company does solar installations on buildings. What about? Are there any big solar power farms in Canada where they set up uh, with a large footprint to produce a whole ton of solar power? Do those exist yeah. in, many, in many places in Canada? Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they do. But as I said to you, you know, it's it's tiny. 
it's tiny in Alberta actually has uh, in Southern Alberta in particular has exceptionally good sun. And a lot of times people talk about, well, there's not enough sun in Canada, but if you look at this in where most of the solar is built, like in, in China or Eastern Europe, Alberta, and even places that you don't think are sunny, like Vancouver, has better insulation or better ability to generate solar than than those places. So we haven't really done much of it yet. There is not significant amounts of it. Um, where it is done in places like Texas, which has a similar situation to, to Alberta, lots of wind and lots of solar. And in contrast to the stories you hear about Alberta, oh, we came close because the wind wasn't blowing, the sun wasn't shining. Those renewable resources are what has saved the grid in Texas, both in extreme heat last year and now extreme cold this year. So we just need to install more of these right now. We've got a tremendous amount of fossil fuel and hydroelectric. We don't. We have very minimal uh, solar and wind. We can do a lot more with uh, the insulation that we have in Canada than we are doing currently. Interesting. What do you think about nuclear? I had Dr. Chris Kiefer on the show a few days ago. He's with Canadians for Nuclear Energy, and he made the case for nuclear power, including these small modular reactors, these SMRs we keep hearing about. What do you think of that option? Well, I mean, you mentioned that you're trying to do things by 2030. You may be trying to do things by 2035. Uh, the historical track record of from planning to building of reactors is north of a decade, in fact, significantly north of a decade. So I guess my first answer is if you're really serious about those sort of targets, nuclear can't play a role just because it's not going to be able to be built. Um, and then I think secondarily, SMRs are, you know, want to add to that, you now have an unproven uh, technology. These are not really built uh, in any way, shape or form at this particular time. They're kind of prototypes and the like. My background is all in manufacturing things. And uh, I just don't see how uh, an SMR or any variant of nuclear is going to allow you to be able to build it in time at the same sort of cost that you're going to be able to do by starting on the solar and wind right now. So I would start with solar and wind and maybe somewhere down the line, we find that SMRs and nuclear is a reality and we build some of them. But right yeah. now it seems like a high risk, long you know, lead time issue. Those SMRs, like you hear a lot about these and in Alberta, they recently announced, oh, we're going to take a look at these small modular reactors. And the idea is you have these small nuclear reactors that can be built and pretty fairly mobile where you can put them with a small footprint. So you hear a lot about this. There's a lot of hype about it. Yeah. Are, yeah. Are, they, are, any, are, are they working anywhere in the world? Like, or is this completely just theory? Well, listen, they're, they're what people will tell you that SMRs have existed on submarines and, and aircraft carriers for a long, well, long time. Right, sure. But they, they, they don't exist, of course, in, in the way that they're conceiving them. And then here's the next thing is that uh, they're, they're doing this in Ontario, of course, right? But if you look what they call small, these are big reactors. And where are they sited? They're sited right next to the trials are going to be sited next to the big, you know, big reactors that we have today. And, and that's the fundamental problem is that until governments are comfortable about, let's say, proliferating nuclear without significant amounts of security issues or whatever, you are not going to be able to put these anywhere. Um, and you can imagine that they're going to examine that very, very carefully. So aside from the idea, my skepticism that these are very complex sort of products that are built large because there's just a certain scale that requires them to be competitive, 
And even at that large scale today, they're not really competitive from a generation standpoint. I see no way that the SMRs can be competitive. And then secondarily, I don't think the promise of their ability to cite them wherever you want is going to come to fruition because of that security mm-hmm. issue, proliferation issue, that sort of thing. Speaking of Mike Andre, Morgan Solar, is solar power and wind power the answer to our energy shortage here in British Columbia? There are calls to expand natural gas production here in BC. Now, of course, we've got climate change goals. We've got emission targets we're trying to hit. The government is trying to get everyone to electrify their vehicle and their home heating. But we still have calls to expand fossil fuel production and, and use in BC, including that pipeline I mentioned very controversial in the Okanagan. Play another clip here for you, Mike, get your thoughts. Barry Penner, Energy Futures Initiative. Here he is talking about that natural gas pipeline that was rejected in B.C. Let's listen. The Utilities Commission in British Columbia rejected a plan by Fortis, B.C. to upgrade the natural gas supply system in the Okanagan to support the real strong growth you're seeing in population. And the Utilities Commission said no, citing the B.C. government's Clean B.C. plan saying everyone's supposed to electrify. Yeah, yeah, we need to electrify so we don't want more natural gas pipelines in B.C. That's what the Utilities Commission said here. Mike, what do you think of that? Like, when you hear calls from people, look, we need more power, we've got to get it from fossil fuels, do you, like, what do you do, shake your head and say, no, people are overlooking the potential for wind and solar? Well, as I mentioned to you before, we clearly, in Canada have overlooked the power. We have very little of it, BC in particular. So, I mean, how do you know until you try it? Well, the rest of the world has tried it, like, massively, and it's working out just fine, thank you very much. So the laws of physics uh, associated with the wind and sun and the ability to create energy from that haven't somehow stopped at the Canadian border. So I would say the first answer is, why can't it work here? You'd have to prove that. And then the next Mm. piece, you look at where natural gas... you know, it's playing a role. Most of it now is, is turning into like the peakers that come on quickly, you know, and that's what you probably need in BC as well. It's like you have the hydroelectric dams to provide, you know, the steady state and all that, but then there's going to be peak loads. Where that's happening right now in the rest of the world, people are just putting batteries in and up to four hours, as I mentioned, gas peaker plants just can't compete. So I'm not your BC electricity system expert, but when someone says the only solution associated with energy is you know, oil and gas as if the oil and gas has some sort of trademark on energy. I mean, I don't think so. And okay. the rest of the world also agrees with me. Mike, thank you for coming on today. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yep. You're welcome. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Mike Andrade, CEO, Morgan Solar. Yeah, he's very big on wind and solar. He says that could be the answer to our energy shortage. Are you buying what he's selling there? Do you think we can close this gap with wind and solar power? 604-280-9898. Call me and tell me what you thought about what you just heard there. 604-280-9898. Star 9898 on your cell. Your call's next.